How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my city and wide. Yeah, let me take my time. I'm on my grind. Gotta make sure that we shine. What's yours is mine, and what's mine is yours. HR to the death and first always my team for sure. Go roll. Can't fall off. Got a family support. Gotta make sure we succeed and reach our dream. Now live through me. I'm about to take off. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Knicks podcast. This is episode 112. I am your host, Jared Dubin, and we are back from the All-Star break the day after DeMarcus Cousins was traded to the Pelicans. But we're not talking about that yet. Instead, we're talking about Carmelo Anthony being named the injury replacement for Kevin Love on the All-Star team. We're talking about Chris Stapps Porzingis winning the Skills Challenge. We're talking about Chris Stapps and Hernan Gomez in the rookie-sophomore game, and then we're going to talk some trade deadline action. Brian Giberman on the line. Brian, what's up, man? Oh, nothing much. Uh, ready? I, li- I like how this is all set up. I like the all-star break right into the trade deadline before the game start. I think it's a nice way to do it. It's, 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 it's very nice. It also it gives guys ample travel time in case they have to travel from New Orleans to New Orleans. If they get traded during the All Star break, um, but the, the, that was the best. Like Boogie's manager posted a picture from the tarmac on um, late Sunday night, like outside of his jet. Like we don't know where to go right now. It was like it was unbelievable. People were making it like he got told when that guy was talking to him in the cut that the trade happened. I bet that was more the rumor of the trade than the actual trade. I don't know what the exact timing of it was, though, but I just, it seems a little suspect that they he would get told right there like that. Yeah, I mean, Woj got it probably like 20 minutes after that video that's been going around. Like, they got, he got, he reported it basically right after Anthony Davis got taken off the podium, which, you know, who knows what kind of, uh, suspect timing there was there but uh, you know that was obviously the big news of the weekend um and we'll get there and how that plays into anything with the knicks and what the knicks could have offered blah 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 what did you think of carmelo being named the injury replacement for kevin love i mean it was there there was an order i i would have picked bradley beal i would have picked bradley beal too yeah but the difference is just negligible and I really don't think it's a big deal. Like I put it this way, if you put Bradley Beal in on the Knicks asking him to do what Mello does, I don't think he would be as good as Mello is. But he has John Wall next to him. There's a difference between who is the better basketball player and who is more deserving of being an all star this season, I think. Yeah. So and just Melo, with the respect he gets from players in the league, it wasn't surprising that he was the guy. And I just, 
like Jared Dudley's making a huge big deal. I mean, just shut up, Jared Dudley. No one cares. It's not. It's an all-star replacement. Bradley Beal will get there eventually. Everything will be fine, and the the world will go on. I don't think it's. I, I just I didn't see the uproar either way. I was fine with Melo making it. I would have been perfectly fine with Bradley Beal making it. Honestly, in general, I've stopped just really concerning myself all too much with like who makes all-star teams and stuff like that. And my life's gotten a lot nicer. Yeah, I'm sort of like a weird all-star game purist. Like, I think it should be the 12 most deserving guys within the rules every year because this kind of stuff gets talked about when guys are, like, up for the Hall of Fame or when you're arguing over, like, who's the best whatever of all time. I think that stuff matters, and it's not necessarily, like, the extra selection doesn't necessarily matter for Carmelo and, you know, who knows what Bradley Beal the rest of his career is going to be like. But I, I do think that that kind of stuff can become important later on down the line. And and maybe the way things are going with All-Star over the last few years, maybe it won't be as important. But right now, that kind of thing, I think, does matter. And to me, it should be the 12 most deserving guys. And I don't necessarily think Carmelo was one of those guys. Like I think he could have made arguments for, for several guys over him. I think he could have made Bradley Beal, Goran Dragic... Uh, you know, if if Carmelo didn't play so well over the last like three weeks, I think you could have made an argument for Kristaps over him. I think you could have made an argument for Otto Porter over him. Like to me, it was like this All Star selection was very much like J.R. Smith's Six Man of the Year award a few years ago, where a a well known guy got rewarded for a good few weeks of play leading into the award. Um, that's not to say Carmelo hasn't been good overall this year. I think he has. But I don't think that he was close to the best available guy uh, for the pick. That said, always fun watching Melo in an all-star game. Went out there, took a couple shots. There was one possession that he literally stood completely still at the right elbow for the entire time. Didn't move for like nine seconds, which was pretty fun. (laughs) They tried. It felt like they tried even less. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. They they really did not try this year at all. Like, and even at the end of the game, like they usually give you like that that three four minutes where they d up and actually play. We we didn't even get that. Well, it wasn't that close of a game at the end. Yeah, but still, even when it's not close, I always felt like they gave you a couple minutes where they played for real, just to put on a little bit of a show. Yeah, and look, I'm not going to concern myself with how much guys try in the All Star game, like. To me, I was talking to my friend about this last night. To me, like it's good background noise to have on on a Sunday night when there's a week off. I don't, I don't care about who does what during the actual game, other than seeing like cool highlights. Um, but I do think that the guys that make it should be the twelve best guys in each conference that year, within you know whatever the rule set is. Um, oh, let, let, let me be clear. I'm actually I'm not complaining about it. I was just kind of pointing it out, because I'm on the same page as you with that. I don't care whether they try or not. It's an exhibition game. Yeah, I mean, look, Carmelo went out there, took whatever it was, eight shots. Uh, yeah, four for eight from the field, two for six from three, ten points, three rebounds, literally nothing else. Um, you know, that's that's what happens in an All-Star game. He's been there a million times. There were um, guys that people wanted to see more. There were guys that were there for their first time. Uh, Giannis was awesome. Kyrie was awesome. LeBron during the probably like eight or nine minutes that he tried in the first half was awesome. Anthony Davis was insane. Russ obviously went all out because he's Russ. Uh, the Mark Wilson was gross. Yeah, uh, I mean James Harden had a fun uh, 
however long he was out there. Steph got dunked on and made a bunch of threes. Like the the less said about what actually happened in the All Star game, the better. I, I just thought the discussion about Melo and whether he should have made it was worth having. Let's talk about the real news of the weekend, the big news. The Knicks won a trophy. Chris Stapps, skills contest champion. So, dude, the what we get the most the Knicks the things the Knicks have won over since like the turn of the century, three dunk contests and a skills competition. That's what we got. Yeah, I, look, I'm surprised that Chris Stapps was in the skills competition and not the three point contest. If that like I know that they're doing like the smalls and bigs now. But I would I would think that if he was going to be in one of the Saturday night things, it would have been the three point contest. He'll do that eventually. You you would think he gets in, and especially if he shoots and keeps shooting in the high thirties, maybe even gets to the low forties eventually, that he'll get his chance in that. You would think so. Um, look, it's it was fun, you know. He, uh, he tried hard in the skills more than I remember it. Yeah, he was so happy too. Like he saw his face at the end. He was like, you know. Doing that little Chris Stapps head nod and, uh, and smile and whatnot, it was uh, it was fun times. Yeah, but him and Jokic were busting each other's balls, and they they seemed to have some uh, a friendship, and they went hard at each other. And Hayward's just a guy that he, he just seems like the nerdy type that's going to try hard at whatever he does. So those guys actually went at it. I I don't remember in the past them really giving it their all like they did. In uh, in the skills competition like that, the last year when it was the the smalls versus the bigs for the first time, those dudes were going hard like it was nuts. Like you could see all the big guys that were running out there celebrating, so happy. When uh, I think it was Towns that won it. Last yeah, that's year. right. I forgot. So the last two years, and the skills competition is fun if they try. It's it's really, it's, it's a cool little event. I, I like the skills. It's better than the shooting stars thing they used there to do. There used to be more stuff in the skills contest, right? No, I think that's it. I think it was always just the dribble, the pass, the layup, the there were, dribble. I'm, the, I'm the pretty sh- sure there were two passes, a chess pass and a bounce pass. Oh, you're right. And the, it was like right. an I'm obstacle course because you went, it was like a timing thing where you went down one side and then down the other side. Like, it, I'm pretty sure that, the, that there was two passes involved. Yes, I, 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 I agree with you. Now that you mention it, I kind of remember that too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look. The Knicks, I don't care what you say, they won a championship this year. There was, there was of course, on Twitter, people um, posting pictures of, like, uh, you know, all the banners in Madison Square Garden with one all the way on the end that says Chris Porzingis Skills Contest Champion um, because that's the only thing they're going to win for a while. That's, you know, the obvious joke that people do all the time. Um, like, they used to have the, uh, the J.R. Smith thing with, like, you trying to get the pipe on that. Like, that's the obvious joke. Um, I, I made one that was a little bit. I made one that was a little bit darker, but I didn't send it out. It was a little bit too dark. Can you can you do it now or still too dark? Uh huh. I mean, look, it said all of the obvious stuff that's happened this year. Like, in, instead of you know, Christoph Porzingis skills contest champion, it said you know, 2016-17 uh, civil rape trial, a wall, subtweets. Oh like, yeah. All right. There you go. Yeah, it was a little bit dark to throw it out there, but, you know, that's the stuff that's happened throughout the year. Um, yeah, so how much of the uh, the rookie-sophomore game did you watch? 
I a, a little bit. I missed. I definitely missed the whole first half because I was at work, and then right after that, I went over to a bar right by where I work, and I got off, and I saw most of the third quarter. And the thing that jumped out to me was I obviously I didn't see Murray go off at the later stages of the game, which I'm assuming he did with the stat line he finished with. There weren't enough ball handling guards in the starting lineups. Yeah. Uh, Look, that's the most fun part of that game. The, like, um, that worked out pretty well for the uh, the world squad because the, oh sorry the flat world squad because um, it let us see how awesome it would be if Jokic and Porzingis were on the same team. Like yeah, but still, the, to me, the most fun part of that game is like when the guards go one on one and basically just play street ball and they. And they just like clear out and let him go, like the Kyrie Irving, uh, Brandon Knight thing, uh, Timmy versus Dion Waiters. Like that stuff has always been the most fun part of the rookie challenge, rookie sophomore game to me. And what the the quarter I saw of it, because of the lineups they had, there really wasn't much in that. Yeah, no, uh, Jamal Murray actually in the in the first half was doing a bunch of setting up, and then in the second half he sort of went off scoring. Um, the, the Jokic Kristaps thing was fun. Kristaps was doing a bunch of cherry picking, got some baskets. Uh, Hernan Gomez didn't play that much, but I thought he was pretty good when he was out there. But you know, again, concerning yourself with what goes on during these games on All Star Weekend, you know, other than like big highlights or you know weird stuff like Steph lying on the ground while he got dunked on, um, there's there's not much uh, that that really matters that goes on in these actual games. So so let's move. Go, it's just, it is cool to see that, like, Kristaps and Willie just, they feel like they belong in the, in, there's just like a, there's a core group of players, and they kind of feel like they belong in the mix with everyone. If it, I don't know if that makes sense. No, yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. Um, and look, Hernan Gomez was an injury replacement, just like Carmelo was for uh, the All-Star game. I think if they had named the teams later, he might have made it outright. Because his uh, his nice run came, I believe, after they named the teams. But um, you know, it was it was good to have him there. And there are worse things than having two young big guys, twenty two years old and younger, that are considered quote unquote rising stars. So uh, that's that's definitely nice. Let's let's move on to this Boogie Cousins trade though, because the Kings got basically nothing for Boogie Cousins. Um, Vladi Divac came out and said that they had a better offer on the table two days ago, but it disappeared. Um, there was a, uh, a Woj podcast that came out and said teams are angry because they didn't get calls to be able to get in on the bidding. So we're going to talk quickly about what the Knicks might have been able to offer for DeMarcus Cousins. Um, you had one idea, and I had one that came based up. Uh, from Zach Lowe's podcast with Brian Windhorst earlier today. You want to let, let people know what yours was? Yeah, basically Rose and Hernan Gomez. Because, I mean, if you were going to get Cousins, that kind of gets rid of the need to have Hernan Gomez because you're going to be playing Porzingis and Cousins in the front court a bunch. Um, yeah, and I probably would have done as – as much as I love Hernan Gomez, I would do it because Cousins is 26 – He's a nice bridge that he could keep. And in that scenario, you actually end up keeping Mel. You, you probably keep Mello, and you see what you can do. Of course, Angus is good enough now that it's not 
because he's a positive. He helps out defensively. He's he's good on offense, and that's. I'm not a huge fan of Melo at the three, but you can stagger the minutes in a way to get him to play for a good amount in a situation like that. He could have done it. I think it's something you really would have had to strongly consider if it was out there. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the the one that I heard on Zach's podcast was basically uh, Derek Rose and two picks for for Boogie. Um, now that I think about it, if you structure it like this Pelicans deal, it would basically be, you know, Rose, Hernan Gomez, Justin Holiday, and a first round pick. Which, like, yeah, do that in a second. Like, I I can't believe that this is all they got for this guy. Like, and. Nobody apparently was willing to beat it. Like, oh, so strange. No, I, I, I think this is. Ba- I think it's the owner. I think it's Vivek. Yeah, it's what it comes down. And that's like the diva, the Vladi quote about having the better offer. I think that's basically throwing Vivek under the bus and letting people know this was not my idea. And Vivek just wanted healed because he doesn't have the slightest clue what he's doing. Yeah, they um, look. Everybody knew that they loved Buddy before the draft last year. But um, he's played this year, and uh, it's not been, I guess, what Vivek thought it would be. Like, this is also the same guy who said a couple years ago that Stauskas shoots like Steph and has size like Clay, and then, like, less than a year and a half later was trading him away with two first-round picks attached so they could sign Costa Kufis, Marco Bellinelli, and Rajon Rondo. Like, this, this team... Maybe even more than the Knicks just doesn't know what it's doing. No, he's he's a worse owner than Dolan. I and I I said that to someone and people were thinking I was crazy. I honestly believe that. Because Dolan at least look he medals and stuff, but he would never get involved in like the draft and tell these guys who to draft and stuff. Well, we don't and know Vivek, that. He just because he hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he's not gonna do it. Don't don't make jokes like that. <laughs> I mean, he's meddled in literally everything else. He's like, no, he just, I think Dolan, uh, he's meddled at times, and then he's also empowered the wrong people that when he stays away. So it's been a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I mean, oh, God. Look, uh, a Kristaps boogie front line would have really been something, you know? Like, that would have been awesome. Like, so we know that's not going to happen, even though I think the deals that we put together were stuff we would have considered. What's the, what do you think's out there for them? Um, I mean, it depends what direction they think they're going. Like, they have to make a decision, like, you know, the Carmelo thing I feel like is wholly separate. Like, even if they decide that they're quote-unquote rebuilding, that might not mean that they're trading Carmelo at the deadline just because he might not want to go anywhere right now. But if they decide they're rebuilding, then, you know, a Rose trade should be on the table. A Jennings trade should be on the table. Courtney Lee should be on the table. Kylo Quinn should be on the table. Anybody who's not Kristaps or Hernan Gomez, basically, should be on the table. And you should look to see what assets you could get for the future, whether it's draft picks or young players with potential that you like. You know, anything that's not nailed down, go sell it. Um, I think you hit. I think you hit the nail on the head with the four guys we're talking about here. It's it's Rose, it's Lee, it's Jennings, and it's O'Quinn. Those yeah. are 
the and realistic. Before this boogie trade, you would have thought like maybe the Kings are dumb enough to have interest in Derrick Rose. And you know maybe they'll send you a uh, a Willie Cauley sign or something like that. But that's what obviously not working thinking, out. Now. What what I was thinking would have made sense was Willie Cauley sign and Rudy Gay. You, you're probably going to have to deal with Rudy Gay opting in for a year. But if you're rebuilding, who cares? Yeah, but so then you you trade Melo this summer. You have Rudy Gay kind of help Kristaps offensively, so he doesn't have to take all of the load himself. But it's also easier to build your offense around Chris Stops with Gay there. It's a little different than than Melo. You can tell Gay, look, you're going to be the second guy. You're not going to... You can tell him that easier than Melo, but he could also help out and do some of the stuff Melo does that draw attention. Look, other coaches in the league have respect for Gay, and they're going to shift the defense towards him a little bit. Yeah, that's that's certainly and, true. Um, and go ahead. That, so that, was, that, that seemed like a pretty... And then he was only a, one more year... Right, but that's not going to happen now with this Cousins trade having been made. Yeah, because they got so many guards in return. That that was the well, most and because they're not trying to make the playoffs anymore. That that, that part, the team, it's not, it's not going to happen. Really, the team. I brought this up on Twitter. A team that makes sense for Rose for me is the Spurs. It does make some degree of sense. They could use somebody to attack. I don't. I don't see the Spurs dealing for somebody with his. It's just logically, it's just really hard to make work with contracts. It's, yeah, the, it's so, the contracts it's, aren't there. Yeah. The off-court issues thing makes me think that Pop's just going to want no part of it. Because I'm trying to think of other teams that might want him. Um, you know, Ian Begley reported toward the end of last week that there are several teams with interest in Rose, and that they expect him to be moved or possibly be moved. I'm going to talk to Ian later in the week after the deadline. But I'm trying to think of who might want him and really kind of struggling so, to come up with teams that, that makes sense. Same, that's the same exact issue I ran into with it was it's logically I don't I don't see the the Kings were easily the most logical because of the gay contract and Willie Cauley Stein yeah. the Knicks reportedly I mean, had interest. I guess Minnesota, but like that doesn't make a ton of sense either. That's the other one, and maybe the, Denver. Let's make sense. Is we know Thibs love, loves them, and the Knicks have reportedly had interest in Rubio. But I think the Rubio trade that's easier to connect the dots on would be Courtney Lee, a Courtney Lee based package. Yeah, Courtney Lee, I think, is going to have a ton of suitors and should. Like New Orleans makes a ton of sense for him now. They need a shooter to go with that that front line, and they just lost a bunch of their guards. Washington, I think, makes a bunch of sense for Courtney Lee. Uh, Memphis always needs a shooter, although, can he go back to Memphis? That's a good uh, question. Oklahoma City would make a ton of sense, but they don't really, I don't think, want to devote um, you know future money like that, but makes sense there. Indiana, will they threw out there that they're willing to trade their first-round pick? Yes, to- Indiana would make a lot of sense for him. They definitely need a shooter. I mean, I, I would make a priority reaching out to Minnesota about Rubio. I couldn't think of... The problem is it would hurt the tank a little bit because Rubio's legitimately good. Yeah. But I can't think of a better point guard to give KP to help his development. Yeah, that look, that would be great. If To me, that or 
if Indiana's really will, willing to give up a first-round pick for him, I think that would be a good move as well. Yeah, the Washington pick's probably going to end up a little higher than I'd like it to be yeah. with how good they're playing. I, I would, In the end, I would probably still take it. Yeah. But Absolutely. I would I, I would concentrate on Minnesota and Indiana would be my two. You know what I would Those do would also is is I would call Golden State about Kyle O'Quinn and say, here's a guy that can play 15, 20 minutes a night for you when you match up, if and when you match up with the Pelicans in the first round. Throw him out there, let him bang with those guys. Give us, I don't know who who cares. Pat McCall, like literally. Oh God, anything. They, I don't think they would do that. I would absolutely love that. I don't. I don't think they would either. Or give us Ian Clark, like you know, who may leave at the season, and then they could give you know McCall his role for the rest of the year. Who knows? Like I would be, I would be calling them and trying to get one or more of their young guys or or picks or whatever. For, uh, Someone has for brought Oakland. up the Celtics being interested. I'd take the Celtics' first-round pick for Oakland. I don't know if you'd get a first-round pick for him, but yeah, I would I would take... Would uh, they trade Terry Rozier for him, or is that <laughs> too much? I'd take any of the Celtics' young guys. Like, anybody that needs help with rebounding, the Celtics... I mean, I guess the Raptors already made their move for Ibaka, but you know, the, the Celtics for sure. The Hawks don't really have rebounding issues anymore. Anybody that needs help with rebounding, you should be calling about O'Quinn, I think, especially with how well Hernan Gomez is playing. Like He looks like a guy who's going to be the one that works in, in tandem with, you know, however often Joachim Noah is available at center. Um, the Celtics have a bunch of guys. I would take Rogier. I would take Demetrius Jackson. You could attach either of those guys to Drepko, and I'm pretty sure it would work. Yeah, look, there should be suitors for him because he's he's played well this year. He's on a very affordable contract, locked in for two more years after this one. Uh, Courtney Lee is on an affordable deal for four years, so so three years after this one. I mean, those are guys that should have value. Um, you know, you look Brandon Jennings, one year, five million. Anybody looking for a backup point guard for their playoff run? Call Washington, see if they'll they'll take him on for you know less expensive than Lou Williams. He's. He, I feel Jennings is easier to find a landing spot for than Rose is, even though Rose is better offensively than Jennings. Yeah, I mean, look, this is Carmelo is his own thing. If there's a deal there that makes sense for all sides, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Who knows? But those four guys, to me, I would be making calls all of the next three days to see what I could get. And another Lance Thomas definitely has some value. Yeah, the issue is he hasn't played well this year, and he's been hurt this year, and and who knows what teams are going to value him like right now. Yeah, but I mean, this summer when he was a free agent, there was a lot of suitors for him. Yeah, yeah. And And smart teams too, not just dumb ones. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's certainly worth calling around on him as well. Um, but I, he's another. You got him for on a four-year deal and a reasonable contract. He's someone I have no issue keeping around. It's the same thing with Lee. If the right deal doesn't come around, keep him. Yeah. Just see what happens this summer. Absolutely. Know what, what can happen this summer? For that's sure. the, oh, that's the other angle of the Cousins deal. Because I think Drew Holiday might be out of. Yeah, I think he's probably out of the picture now. Because all right, do you think? Can you win a championship with? If you get the right role players 
with Cousins, Davis, and Drew Holiday as your best three players? I mean, you got two of the top ten guys in the league. That's basically the prerequisite for being a contender. Um, you know, you got to figure out how they're going to work together. Gentry's got to become a little bit smarter in how you know he he schemes his offense. He's got to figure out you know who's going to be the guy that rotates out early and then comes back in. How often are they going to play together? What's their defense going to look like? There's a, there's a lot to figure out. But two top ten players is basically a top ten to top fifteen whatever players is basically a prerequisite for winning the title, and they have that now. So you know they they got to fill and out the roster. They got to figure it out. Yeah, Drew Holiday is really good, and he's not a point guard that necessarily needs to have the ball in his hands all the time to be really effective, which is key with two big guys that are going to be such high usage players. Yep, he can spot up and then he can create off them. I love, I love that as yeah, a And he's a really good defender, you know. Um, look, I mean, who knows if they're going to wind up keeping him. You know, they may not want to pay him as much as he wants to be paid, especially since they're going to have to pay Boogie again. Plus, he's had the injury history. But, look, look, they, they still may not make the playoffs this season because they're two and a half games back. They have a tough schedule. It's going to take them a while to figure things out. They're incredibly thin. Uh, you know, on the perimeter, but <laughs> I mean, when you have those two guys, like, and, and and I mean, if you were Drew and you were playing with those two guys, would you want to leave? I wouldn't. No, I would, especially with what he's dealt with in his career. He's had a couple decent teams here and there, but for the most part, with the second round of the playoffs is the latest he's made it with that one Philly team when they upset the Bulls when Rose got hurt. Yeah, I think that's the only time he's made it to the second round. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm chilling. So with who's that. your uh, who's your top point guard target now? If he's if he's not there, I mean, other than the draft, like if you're if you assume that they're not in position to take a point guard in the draft, who's your top free agent guy? I don't think it's a free agent guy. I think I'm trying to get my hands on Rubio. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I would love Patty Mills too. I, Patty Mills is uh, my Brandon Jennings, though. He's I want him as the backup. Patty, Patty Mills, George Hill. Those are my guys. Yeah, oh, George George Hill. George Hill would be... Yeah, Utah yeah, wants to keep be. him, though, and, and he likes it there, so who knows if he'll actually become available, but I love yeah, that's George the, Hill. Same thing with Lowry. I don't think that's realistic. Like, it felt like Drew was gettable. That's why I kind of was rolling with that one, because it felt... Yeah. That, that also plays into my, like, sell everything that's not nailed down, because you got to get as close as possible to the top of the draft for these point guards. Like... If this last stretch before the All-Star break proved anything, it's that this team is not going anywhere as constructed. Like, I don't care that they're three games back of the playoffs because, you know what, they're... Or, sorry, what are they, four games back of the playoffs now and they're two and a half games back of the 14 seed. Like, they're not going anywhere. It's not a good team. Might as well do the half-season tank thing and get one of these point guards in the draft. Especially since now the... uh, What's that? The, the noise seems to be leaning that way, right? That they get that? Yeah, I mean, who knows? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think a bunch of it will depend on what happens with Carmelo this week. Um, because it, it's tough to truly tank if him and Kristaps are both playing. Um, if they both, I mean, so sit mellow. Yeah, I'm I mean, he does, the point. He has that shoulder injury still, right? Yeah, but he's, like, you've seen before, they give injury decisions over to Carmelo. Like, he's the only one that gets to choose whether or not he plays. 
because right now they have the eighth worst record in the league. They're only a half game behind the Mavericks. They're a game and a half from catching the T Wolves. They're a, oh, they're they're a game from catching the T Wolves. They're a game and a half from catching the Sixers. Two and a half from the Magic. I mean, and that and right there, just those teams that moves you all the way to fourth. Yeah, look, it's. They're not very far away from having a very realistic shot at a top five or so pick, getting your hands on, you know, Fultz, Ball, Smith, one of these guys, which it's hard to think of something that would be better for the franchise than getting one of those guys on the team. And even, so say you did my angle and you got Rubio, IBO, and, I mean, he's only 26. Take Josh Jackson. Yep. I was watching that Baylor game. Oh, boy, that kid is good. Yep, and the, the issue with him is there's not a lot that he does beyond score yet, but he's got he's got so much length, such a good athlete that he should be able to do more. And he does some cutting, like he got some buckets off of some backdoor cuts. He moves without the ball and was doing some of that stuff. So that that's good too. You like to see you like to see that for a player being able to have skills when he doesn't have the ball. Yeah, it, it would be nice to come out of the trade deadline with more than one pick in this draft, so you could get one of those point guards and something else. That would be real nice. Yeah. And they do. They have two second-round picks this year. They have their own and someone else's. I think Houston's. If, if I, I might be wrong about that. That sounds right. I'm going to go to the draft pick debt page while I vamp here for a little bit, while I pretend that I know exactly what picks they have in this draft. And I'm just going to bring up that page at Real GM, and it's taking way too long on my laptop right now. But I'm bringing up the page right now, and now I'm scrolling down all the way to the Knicks. And, <laughs> this is uh, fun. Oh, I don't this is good, yeah. This. They have, um, so they have a second-round pick from Chicago, and they have a second-round pick from Houston, but they owe their own second-round pick to Utah or Philly. So they do have second, two second-rounders, but neither one of them is their own. Is that, what fucking trade is that? Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, Houston, That's not another Mar- from the Marbury trade, is it? Is that the last thing? I, I don't know. It's like a bu- it's from the Barniani trade. Oh, how'd that end up with you? I was about to say, is there really still a piece of the Marbury trade left over somehow? I was about to be like, is that really possible? No, it's from the Barniani deal. Utah will okay. receive the second and third most favorable of Detroit's 2017 second-round pick, Golden State's 2017 second-round pick, and New York's 2017 second-round pick via Toronto. That's quite confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a whole long series of trades there that have gone on over the last four years. But, yeah, look, they already have, they, they've got th- three picks in the draft. It would be nice if they somehow acquired another first-rounder. To get you know one of the, one of the point guards and somebody else in uh, in that middle of the first round would be cool. So if you're the Knicks, you're rooting for the Bulls to trade Jimmy Butler to the Celtics. Uh, yeah, because then that second round pick becomes a whole lot more valuable. Yeah, and right now, what it's going to be middle of the second round right now. If you get that into like the first third of the second round, you feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, you know, it's all, I mean, it's all dark rose at that point, but the higher the better. Absolutely. If it gets into, you know, the top five or six of the second round, it's basically like having a first-round pick. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have more about the trade deadline and possibly some draft stuff as well 
throughout the rest of the week. And then uh, Ian Begley is going to come on on Friday to talk about whatever the Knicks did uh, at the deadline the night before. Uh, we'll be back yeah, with more. Send out the big guess for the, the nice spots. Yeah, that's right. Um, we'll be back with more, like I said, later in the week. Enjoy.